headaches, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, dizziness, confusion, mood swings, even suicidal thoughts. These are just some of the issues I've suffered as a concussion survivor. In desperation, I've searched how to get my life back. I'm now moving forward, and I invite you to journey with me into deeper understanding of how to restore hope and renew life for all concussion survivors, even the tiniest of them, and those who love them. I'm Cindy Subizis, a multi-concussion survivor and national speaker speaking out on the dangers of concussion and what we need to do to protect all of us, especially the youngest amongst us. I promise life can get good again. And now for our show. Welcome back, my friend. I am I am actually so grateful for today's show. It's part of a two-series interview with Dr. Cade Anderson. And if you didn't have a chance to hear episode four, I highly recommend you download that episode. It will give you insight into the series of concussions that Dr. Anderson experienced, each with worsening symptoms. Dr. Anderson studied human movement science at Utah State University for his bachelor's and he received his doctorate of physical therapy at Winston-Salem State University in North Carolina. And because of his personal experiences and his professional training, he's very motivated to help others become pain-free and improve the quality of life. So in this episode, he gives us professional advice and ideas of what he recommends for post-concussion experiences. We start first with him describing the worst symptoms he'd experienced as a concussion survivor and then moves into help for us all. This is a man who knows how to help because he's lived the concussion story himself. Let's listen in. Just too much head trauma. And, uh, you know, Cindy, as you know, the I like to look at, you know, as a clinician, I frequently explain to my patients that, you know, injury to the brain is really it's all the same principles as an injury to any other part of the body. So if I were to, if we just gave an example here of like a strained hamstring, for example, when a lot of people can understand like, Ooh, I pulled my hamstring, you know, that, that muscle still functions, but probably not to the same level that it could if everything was um, completely optimal in that case. So I could probably still contract that muscle, but maybe only 80%, 70%, depending on the injury to the extent of the amount of force that I would be able to, if I was healthy. And I really think that that's sort of what happens to my brain over the next few months following that concussion is that I, I really felt like my brain was just kind of running at like maybe a 70 to 80% capacity at all times. And so I know that like a couple of things that I just struggle with personally, and I think they're genetics and, you know, they're things that my parents struggle with, but both my parents struggle with anxiety. Um, not badly, I would say mild forms of anxiety and insomnia. And, uh, those are things that actually started to really creep up on me. And I feel like those were, I was prone to those things and I'd struggled with them in the past, but when my brain was fully functioning and when I was at my best self, they were things that I could control pretty well. I knew how to control those things. And I kind of felt like for the next several months after this uh, second concussion that I had um, in the same year as a now 31-year-old, which felt a lot different <laughs> than it did when I was a 17, 8-year-old, it, it kind of led me to those things becoming a problem. And so anxiety became a, a very big part of my life. 
insomnia became a very big part of my life. Um, I suddenly got to the point that I was sleeping two to three hours a night regularly and sometimes less than that. Getting up, going to work and just being a zombie all day because I couldn't sleep. And um, that, that was probably the hardest thing going uh, through that period of time. And it was a struggle because I think I was, um, I was highly irritable towards my kids, for example, because noise and light um, and really like chaos in general was just, it was, I was almost intolerant to it. It, it was, it, it would, uh, you know, my, my little girl would scream and it would sound like somebody stabbed me in my ear. Honestly, it was, it was just so painful when somebody would scream and um, just course. coming, coming home to chaos. And I, I felt that, you know, I, I had more of a temper than I generally had, and I, I probably wasn't very fun to be around. And so um, it, it definitely affected me a lot more as an adult, this go around as it did than it did when I was a kid without a doubt. That makes so much sense. And I, I really appreciate that you raised those because research shows this is so common as a symptom that can follow concussion. And it's something that I think if a person isn't aware, they think there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. This is the result of a concussion and being able to reach out and to get the help and and services can make such a difference. So, and well, and this is always important to say, each individual has unique needs and each concussion survivor needs to check with his or her medical professional before pursuing any new activity. But what are some of the things that got you through and what are some recommendations for recovery from a clinician's point of view for a concussion? Yeah, absolutely. Starting off from a clinician's perspective, I think it's important to understand that, um, Again, I, I love, because it, may, it just makes so much sense, really talking about brain injuries like concussions is almost new to our culture, I would say. We, we don't talk about, we haven't been talking about this as long as we've been talking about spraining your ankle. So for example, back in the day, if you ever sprained your ankle, Cindy, you'll have to tell me if you ever heard this. So when you sprained your ankle, <laughs> they told you that there was something you were supposed to do and it was called the RICE method. Have you ever heard of that before? Oh, yes. Yeah, so re- the RICE method stands for rest ice, compress, and elevate. And that was kind of like, that was the gold standard for several years. Anytime you got hurt, you were supposed to rest, ice, compress, and elevate. About five, 10 years ago, as they continued to do research on things, they actually found that the rice method wasn't as effective as they thought. And the main point of that, the main part of that that wasn't as effective was actually the R, rest, which was interesting. And so they actually changed the acronym, acronym, and I think it's actually a little bit cooler now. It's now the police method. (laughs) <laughs> which is pretty awesome. And what they found basically is that, so uh, the ice compress elevate is the same, but what they found is the P is basically to protect. So in the case of a sprained ankle, it would be wear an ankle brace. Don't do the activities that may be really hard on it. So like don't continue to play in a high level um, basketball game or anything like that. And then the O and the L would be to optimally load the tissue. And they found that when you optimally load a tissue rather than just rest a tissue, that it actually helps it to heal um, stronger. So for example, a tissue is going to actually heal according to the amount of load that you put on it. The appropriate load. The appropriate amount of load. Which is why you need a medical professional teaching you. (laughs) Exactly. And and that's actually where I'm going with this because Mm -hmm. basically what they found is that a lot of people were, because they were just resting, so they sprain ankle and they would put their foot up for two, three weeks and say, I can't do anything. I have to rest that they were effectively underloading. I'm doing quotation marks. If you could see me underloading <laughs> the tissue and it was healing, but it was healing very weakly. Okay. 
And then you also have the people that are just like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, I ain't a sissy. I'm going to push through this. I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm tough and I can do this. And they would just do all their same activities and they were overloading the tissue. Now there's kind of a fine line of like, you're putting a load on the tissue, you're, you're testing it. And as it's healing, it heals strong. And it's the exact same principle with your brain. And so the recommendation is that you have to learn to optimally load your brain. And we don't load it the same way we would an ankle where it's like exercise and walking on it or weight bearing or whatever it may be. It's more of just like your daily activities, what, what you start to introduce again, because after a concussion, you should learn to limit, you should probably limit screen time. Um, you should limit anything that's, um, that's, that exerts you. And I like that because it says limit, not eliminate. So you don't just stop doing those things, but you limit it and you kind of, you pay attention to your symptoms. You just modify your activities depending on what your symptoms are doing, but we want you to try and do as much as you can basically. And so that's an important principle to understand, but like you said, it can be really easy to overload or underload the tissue. So how, how do you know? That's something that's probably stressful to people. Like, how do I know if I'm underloading or overloading the healing neural tissue of the brain? that's where a medical provider would come in. So, so a lot of people are, I, I hear people all the time when they hear that we treat concussions, they say, what the heck do you guys do with concussions? And it's, it's really that it, it's a lot of education. It's a lot of helping them understand their symptoms. It's a lot of tracking their symptoms. We have outcomes measures that called like the SCAP five is a well-researched uh, outcome measure where we have them fill out like several things, including we have 22 symptoms that you would typically see, and they're going to rate them on a scale from zero to six, depending on how severe. And we're going to track that on a daily basis. Um, we're going to track their activity on a daily basis. And you can really start to identify what increases their symptoms, what they need to limit. And so that you're putting just that perfect amount of optimal load onto this uh, healing tissue. And so that, so basically, if it comes down to what would my recommendation be, it would be don't just lay around in a dark room forever trying to heal. Now that might be the case in certain circumstances, but the point is, is that get with a medical provider uh, that can help kind of guide you through that process because um, it'll really save you a lot of heartache and time and chronic issues down the road. If you're able to do that with people. I, I love that. And I know that for me with the multiple concussions that I have had, the quickest indicator for me, and again, it's, it's unique to every individual. And that's why we hear at the, the concussion, there is hope podcast state over and over and over again, work through this with your medical care provider. We offer some ideas, but your medical care provider knows how to customize this for you. But for me, the fastest sign is fatigue. When I feel like I have taken a sleeping pill without having taken a sleeping (laughs) pill, I know that I have not done the optimal load for my brain. So I, I appreciate that. So a question for you, if both as a person who has experienced multiple concussions and have, you have learned great wisdom from your experiences, it sounds like, and as a professional, if there were one message of hope for our listeners who might be struggling in the aftermath of a concussion, what would that message of hope be? I think that you can affect it, that there there can be change, that basically you can influence it. And, and it's important to stay within a frame of mind that you understand that you can influence this. Because one thing that I did, um, Cindy, it's not even by my own fault, I, I studied this in school and as a career is that I, I was 
I did a lot of research on the long-term effects of concussions. And sometimes when you read that stuff, it can be scary. It can be a, a little nerve wracking to think about what some people have experienced when they've had several concussions. But I don't really like to live in that frame of mind where I feel like, well, this is just going to happen to me. I want to influence what I can. And so I know that if I can just share a little bit about what I do to try and influence it as much as possible, um, mm-hmm. because I feel like it, it truly helps me. And it has everything to do with that activity mo- modification and just making sure I'm staying on top of my symptoms and, and just recognizing my symptoms very well. But obviously, like I said, I know that my brain needs to be at its best self, the best version of itself. And I have to be at a, I have to get myself to a peak state of mind and where my brain is healthy and and working well. So obviously this isn't like any news to anybody, but um, regular exercise is super important. And and not only that, but just finding like, what's the best fit for you in an exercise program. I used to always be like, oh, I have to go exercise for an hour because I don't know, that's just what people do is exercise for an hour, I thought at least. (laughs) Um, I do way better when I exercise for 25 to 30 minutes, actually. So I go very, I go very intense and I do it for 25 to 30 minutes. And that's actually been a much better fit for me. And as I regularly do that, I feel like my brain functions better. Um, Reading books regularly, um, physical books, not on screens, because I have to limit my screen time. Um, That's just something that I've, I've learned about myself, right? So I've made adjustments. I, I read a lot of books because it keeps my mind uh, going. It, it keeps it working, um, but it's not in a way that it might cause me headaches like it would on a stream. Again, because I started to have issues with anxiety um, and with insomnia um, to the point that I was having anxiety attacks, actually, for the first time in my life, I, mm-hmm. I sought help. And so I, I sought counseling and um, not necessarily because I thought I was just, I, I couldn't help myself, but because I wanted to do everything in my power to to get myself going in the right direction for myself and also for my family. And and that's actually helped quite a bit. I had to take some things out of my life. So I have officially, I'll announce it now to the world. I've announced it to people, but I have officially retired from competitive basketball. Um, Nobody's very sad about it. I don't think, except for the other team that always got to play against me, but, but I've officially retired. It's just not worth it to me at this point. I have to find, and that was, and that's honestly been hard because that was a hobby I really enjoyed, but I'm on a journey to find other hobbies that are a little bit healthier for me. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of research. Actually, I should say my wife, who you know, Cindy, and she's great. Yes. She's one of the sweetest people in the world. Um, she, uh, she, she went and researched what are some supplements that can help with brain health and that can help with healing tissue. And so she's, she's bought these things for me. She's got me the uh, little, you know, what the old people have. And it's, um, these are my pills. I take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's mm-hmm. all nice and organized. She actually bought that for me. I'm pretty, I'm probably the only 31 year old taking <laughs> that has one of those, um, in the world. And, I, and I'm taking, you know, fish oil, which has a lot of good research behind it. I'm taking a brain health memory complex. That's got a lot of good research behind it. I'm taking some collagen supplements that has a lot of good research behind regenerating tissue and, and improving tissue health. Um, and that's been very helpful. And then the other one, probably the biggest one, honestly, is just how important sleep is. Like I I had to figure out sleep. It's crucial in any healing tissue. And so I had to kind of get myself into a routine and set rules in order to get myself to sleep well. So to give you just an example, like I, I found that if I was doing, if we were ever going to have a conversation that got my mind going or that like would stress me out, like late at night, it would typically lead to anxiety and my mind running and I wouldn't be able to sleep very well. And so we've set rules in our house that like after nine o'clock, we are not going to talk about finances, finances, for example, 
Like mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about it because it's only going to lead to anxiety, which is going to lead to me not sleeping. If we had a disagreement during the day and it's time to kind of hash it out, we're not going to do that after nine o'clock PM. If we're talking about like all the to-do list items that we have to do, we're not going to talk about that after 9 PM. If we want to talk about work or all the things that I have to do there, we're not going to talk about after nine o'clock PM. And then the other thing is that um, I used to go exercise late at night, whether it was basketball or whatever it was. And that actually is kind of keeps me from sleeping well. And so no exercise after 9 PM. So I've kind of set these rules for myself and got myself into a, re- into a routine hmm. where I'm able to sleep quite a bit better. And then one of the best things, honestly, for me, that that's just worked for me. And again, it's, I guess the message of hope is that you can find a customized plan for you that will help you. Um, I would say the other thing I do is that I will not lay down on my bed until I am ready to close my eyes and fall asleep. Like I can't lay in bed and read. I can't lay in bed and then have a conversation with my wife. Like I will stand up in an awkward spot in our bedroom. I will sit in the desk, whatever, until I am absolutely ready to close my eyes and fall asleep. And doing that has actually helped me a great deal. And as I sleep more and I do all these healthy habits, these symptoms are much more manageable. And I would say that it's really not affecting my quality of life at this point. Um, and so there's definitely hope, um, but it's going to come through a very customized plan that's just right for you. And like we said, with the help of medical providers that can kind of guide you, guide you through that process. I love that. And as you've been talking, I've, I've appreciated especially how you've shared the customization because, again, each individual is unique and they need the professional caretakers to provide kind of a map. But I remember, I loved how you said, you know, I would exercise for 60 minutes and then I realized I was doing that because that's what others were doing. And so then you customized it for you. And I remember after the difficult concussion that I'd experienced in April of 2018, it was almost two months before I could stand for more than 30 seconds. And then to be able to stand and talk was too much. It was, it was difficult. So in my efforts to try to exercise, I waited about a month before I could even be outside. And then as I was walking, I could hardly lift my legs. So I, I walked around the block and then I came back home. And I really was paying attention to what physiologically and neurologically felt better for me. And it was about three weeks where I had to take these little baby walks, but they made a difference. And then pretty soon I wasn't shuffling and hardly able to pull my legs up. So if I had tried to follow someone else's post-concussion exercise plan, whatever that might be or would have been good for them, it wouldn't have worked. So I, I really appreciate how you you referenced each individual determining what is best for them, especially working through those initial, the crisis moment of the concussion itself with a medical care provider. But so if our listeners wanted to, they really resonated with what you've said and maybe reach out and ask a question where on Facebook and LinkedIn, can they connect with you? Yeah. So Facebook, uh, Cade Anderson. So that's K-A-D-E Anderson, S-O-N. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn under that same address or under that same name, excuse me. So Cade Anderson. You can also, uh, my email address is Cade, K-A-D-E, at right. that's W-R-I-G-H-T-P-T for physicaltherapy.com. And I'm happy to take anything there, emails, uh, message me on Facebook, uh, message me on LinkedIn, whatever. I'm happy to help anybody that's going through the same process that I've gone through. 
That is super generous. Thank you so much, Kate. And thank you. Thank you for the hope and the help that you've provided today. And for each of you who are listening, please remember, you matter. We need you with us. Reach out for help as you need it and say to yourself always, there is hope. And finally, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and write a review. It would mean the world to me. This way, you get every episode, and you help others find the show who need it. And what a difference you can make in the lives of concussion survivors simply by subscribing, rating, and writing a review. Until the next episode, let us all support and help concussion survivors. I'm Cindy Subizis, and you have been listening to the podcast Concussion there is hope, and you are a treasure. See you next time. Thank you for joining me in the podcast, Concussion, There Is Hope, where we share tools of information and support for concussion survivors and their loved ones. You can visit me at myuniqueconcussion.com, where you can sign up for the latest news through our supportive email. By doing so, you'll receive a free and important report of what your doctor never told you about concussions. I'd love your help in creating a master movement of support for concussion victims across the world, especially for our youngest ones. Thank you for listening, and God bless.